This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. As the sun began its slow ascent, casting an eerie glow over the desolate landscape, the sprawling field ahead seemed to stretch endlessly into oblivion. Not a single soul dared to embrace the solace of sleep that night, for the impending dawn bore the weight of dreadful anticipation. With each passing moment, the air thickened with an unsettling tension, a palpable foreboding that clung to the very fabric of existence. Yet as the first rays of sunlight pierced the horizon, there was no reprieve from the gnawing apprehension that gripped the hearts of all who stood witness. In the solemn quietude of dawn, figures emerged from the shadows, their silhouettes etched against the dark canvas of the waking world. Clad in uniforms that seemed to swallow the feeble light, they moved with a mechanical precision, their footsteps echoing ominously across the barren expanse. Boots scraped against the earth, a haunting cadence that heralded the arrival of an inexorable fate. Each step forward carried with it the weight of unspoken dread, a burden too heavy to bear, yet impossible to cast aside. And as they assembled in grim formation, a chilling symphony of silence enveloped the land, broken only by the haunting echo of a cannon's blast. The boom reverberated through the stillness, a deafening proclamation of impending doom that sent shivers down the spine of every soul present. In that moment, time seemed to stand still, the air thick with the stench of fear and resignation. For in the cold light of dawn, they marched not towards victory, but towards the abyss, bound by duty and destiny. They were but pawns in a macabre game, whose rules were written in blood. Welcome to Destination Terror, your passport to the scariest places in the world. From haunted hotels to locations of unexplained creature sightings, and now places that we only visit in our imagination. We will travel to places that will provide excitement, adventure, and horror. Today we are visiting Prairie Grove Battlefield, a place that whispers echoes of a bygone era where the earth holds silent specters of soldiers long since fallen. So if you're into travel and all things scary, listen closely and you might just discover your next exciting adventure destination, but hopefully not your final destination. Destination Terror is an EerieCast original podcast hosted by me, Carmen Carrion. If you would like to send us a suggestion or submit a story with your own experience, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com or follow me on Twitter at carmencarrion. If you enjoy the show, please follow and rate Destination Terror on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to help us grow. 
Also, check out EerieCast.com for more scary podcasts, such as Freaky Folklore, the podcast where together we explore the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. It was all fun and games on the playground at school, until it wasn't. I was the smallest kid my age, which inevitably led to being relentlessly picked on by other kids. Third grade was hard enough, but the picking just made it even worse. No one could have even imagined that by the time I graduated from high school, I'd be six foot two and built like a fortress that commanded attention with every step. Most often, the kids just made fun of or laughed at me because I couldn't reach the monkey bars from the top of the ladder or couldn't climb into the swings that had been raised for the taller kids. It stopped being funny the day that Timmy, a fifth grader, and a couple of his friends decided to drag me to the top of the monkey bars and leave me. My level of pride at eight years old was laughable. I refused to ask for help to get down. I talked myself up, believing I could be like Superman, jump and land on my feet. I jumped all right, but the only thing I landed on was my arm, and it snapped like a twig. After a couple of pins and a rod were applied, I found myself sporting a luminous pink cast, as if the doctor's office had exhausted all other hues that day. Typical of my luck, I could already anticipate it becoming another target for their teasing. Pink was for girls, and I wasn't a girl. My first day back started exactly like I knew it would, until something unexpected happened. A tall boy I'd never seen before stepped in between Tommy and me. He said, pick on somebody your own size, and knocked him flat on his butt. That was the day that I met my best friend Jake. It was fitting for the biggest third grader to befriend the smallest one. It was safe to say no one ever picked on me again after that day. We had become inseparable after that. His family had bought the house just down the street from us, and even our parents became good friends. Jake's dad had been in the military and honorably discharged due to an injury he sustained saving some kids' lives. They were always pretty vague on the details about it, but he had some really cool scars and a couple of missing fingers. My dad was a history nut, and they really hit it off, so much so that they were traveling around attending war reenactments and visiting lots of old places. They didn't start dragging us around to these things until we had made it to the sixth grade, and they had figured we'd start to appreciate our history at that point. In theory, it was a great dad move, but Jake and I were still in the stage of fart jokes and taking nothing in life too seriously. But all that changed on a trip to Arkansas. Our dads had been planning a trip to the Prairie Grove Battlefield reenactment on the first weekend in December for months now. It was one of the few reenactments that were on their bucket list to attend, and for whatever reason, this one was on the top of my dad's list. It was all going well, until the night before the event, it decided to snow. A lot. We were from southern Mississippi, not used to snow, even in the slightest. 
Jake and I moaned and groaned about being out in the cold all morning. Dad, my toes are going to freeze off. This is torture. I whined to my dad, but he just laughed and said, You'll be fine. Now you two go find somewhere to sit. We're starting soon. Also, root for me. The reenactment seemed to be going as planned, until it didn't. Jake and I had wandered off into the woods near the battlefield and climbed one of the tallest trees, hoping to get a good vantage point of the fight. When the cannon boomed, signaling the start of the battle, something very strange happened. Though we were already frozen to the core, I felt a shiver run down my spine, and the most uneasy feeling I'd ever experienced washed over me. I asked Jake, Holy crap, dude. Do you feel that? Or am I losing it out here? No, man. I feel it too. What is it? Jake answered back with a shaky voice. I heard something moving under us and looked down to see a group of men in Confederate uniform walking through the trees. I nudged Jake and pointed down at the men. We had no idea that they would be using the woods as part of the event. If we got caught up here, we'd be in a lot of trouble. Jake and I pressed ourselves as hard as we could against the tree, hoping they wouldn't spot us. The soldiers moved out of the trees and onto the field. I couldn't help but feel like there was something very strange about the soldiers. They looked different, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. They marched straight for the other men in the field, but no one seemed to notice their approach. It didn't make sense that neither side reacted to their presence. Jake and I made eye contact and looked down at the ground. We noticed that there wasn't a single footprint in the snow. No footprints, I whispered to Jake. I know, that's really weird. Is that even possible? Jake whispered back. I'm going to say no, but maybe. We've been to enough of these at this point that we knew something was definitely off here. But when we looked back to where the group had been in the field, they were simply gone. They had vanished. What the heck? Where did they go? I asked no longer whispering. Jake's mouth was gaping open in shock. Did you see where they went? Jake! Jake! I reached over and slugged Jake on the arm to snap him out of his stupor. Dude, what the heck did we just see? You saw that. I saw that. I wonder if anyone else saw it. Jake asked. After the reenactment, we told our dads in great detail what we had seen, and they reassured us that there were no men in the woods, and we had let the cold get to our heads, and they downright thought it was just another prank Jake and I were trying to play on them. Even though we had a tendency to elaborate stories to them while they were dragging us around, this most definitely was not one of them. We're serious. It was a whole group of guys. It was weird. 
and it freaked us out. I swear, we saw them one second, and the next, poof, they were just gone. Last I checked, people don't just disappear. Jake was pleading at this point. Jake's dad threw his hands up in defeat. Well, you know, they do say this place is haunted. Maybe what you guys saw were ghosts. Either way, it's cold, and I'd really like to get out of here now. Everyone good with burgers? And he walked off. They might not have believed us, but Jake and I knew what we had seen, and it lit a fire in us that neither one of us could have anticipated. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. The American Civil War, lasting from 1861 to 1865, was a brutal and transformative conflict fought between the Northern States, the Union, and the Southern States, the Confederacy. The primary causes of the war were rooted in long-standing tensions over issues like slavery, regional economic differences, and states' rights. The war erupted when Southern states, asserting their right to govern themselves, seceded from the Union. The Confederacy, led by President Jefferson Davis, aimed to preserve the institution of slavery and maintain autonomy. The Union, under President Abraham Lincoln, sought to preserve the nation's unity and ultimately ended up adopting the goal of abolishing slavery. The conflict witnessed some of the bloodiest battles in American history, including iconic engagements like Gettysburg and Antietam. Strategies evolved from traditional warfare to encompass trench warfare, naval blockades, and guerrilla tactics. The war's toll was immense. The war's toll was immense, with estimates ranging from 600,000 to 700,000 casualties. The Union's victory preserved the United States as a single nation and led to the abolition of slavery through the 13th Amendment in 1865. More than 10,000 battles unfolded during the war, leaving indelible marks on the landscape nationwide. Typically, discussions about the war focus on major engagements, 
overshadowing the significance of each smaller battle. Nevertheless, it is crucial to recognize that every skirmish contributed to the broader impact of the conflict. Much like the Prairie Grove conflict, transpiring on December 7, 1862, the Prairie Grove battlefield is located in Prairie Grove, Arkansas. It was a pivotal engagement that, while inconclusive on a tactical level, secured Union control over northwestern Arkansas. The origins of the Prairie Grove campaign can be traced back to the Battle of Pea Ridge, a crucial event in the Trans-Mississippi Theater of the American Civil War. In March 1862, General Samuel Ryan Curtis led Union forces to a decisive victory over Confederate General Earl Van Dorn. This battle not only altered control across the Mississippi River, but also set the stage for subsequent developments in Arkansas. Following the success at Pea Ridge, General Curtis pressed on with the Union advance into Arkansas. The primary objective was to establish control and exert influence in the state and its surrounding regions. This strategic move marked a crucial phase in the Union's campaign in the Trans-Mississippi Theater. Amidst these Union advances, Confederate leadership underwent changes. General Thomas H. Hindman replaced Major General Earl Van Dorn as the commander of the Trans-Mississippi Department. Hindman faced the daunting task of organizing Confederate forces to counter the growing Union threat in the region. In late November 1862, a precursor to the Prairie Grove Campaign unfolded at the Battle of Cane Hill. General James G. Blunt, leading Union forces, achieved victory over Confederate General John S. Marmaduke. This triumph positioned Union troops strategically in northwestern Arkansas, laying the groundwork for the events that would follow. The Union Army, known as the Army of the Frontier, played a pivotal role in the Prairie Grove Campaign. Divided into divisions, General Blunt led the Kansas Division, which included African American and Native American soldiers. Generals Heron and Totten commanded the Missouri Division, adding diversity and strength to the Union forces. Facing challenges due to adverse weather conditions and intelligence issues, General Hindman made the strategic decision to establish a defensive position at Prairie Grove. His goal was to counter Union forces led by Blunt, who had received reinforcements under the command of General Francis J. Heron. On December 7, 1862, Clashes erupted between Confederate and Union forces at Prairie Grove. The battle unfolded with artillery exchanges, intense fighting, and multiple counteroffensives. Despite initial setbacks, Union forces received crucial reinforcements, leading to a climax in the late afternoon. Casualty reports indicated 1,251 Union casualties, including 175 fatalities and 1,317 Confederate casualties, with 164 to 204 fatalities. The demoralized Confederate forces were ultimately forced back, leaving numerous dead on the field, necessitating makeshift barriers to deter scavenging feral pigs. Today, a portion of the battlefield is preserved within Prairie Grove Battlefield State Park. While the day ended inconclusively, 
Hindman, lacking reinforcements and facing ammunition shortages, made the strategic decision to withdraw Confederate forces. This marked a significant strategic victory for the Union, securing control in northwestern Arkansas and setting the stage for subsequent engagements. The Battle of Prairie Grove not only had immediate implications, but also set the stage for the next conflict in the more southerly region of Arkansas. In a final blow to Confederate forces, Union forces, led by Generals Blunt and Heron, achieved victory in the Battle of Van Buren. This triumph further weakened Hindman's forces, ultimately leading to the withdrawal of the remaining Confederate army from the region. The Battle of Prairie Grove, as part of a broader campaign, emerged as a pivotal moment in the Trans-Mississippi Theater. The clash of forces in December 1862, amidst strategic maneuvers and leadership changes, significantly influenced the trajectory of the Civil War in Arkansas. While the battle itself lacked a clear tactical victor, it contributed substantially to the Union's strategic advantage in the region, ultimately leading to its triumph in the broader conflict. The battle's bloodshed didn't merely imprint history or scar the land physically. It left an enduring presence that beckons people to relive the past. Prairie Grove, like many battlefields, is renowned as one of Arkansas's most haunted places. The paranormal energy on the battlefield is palpable, with countless encounters reported over the 162 years since the historic clash. Legend has it that traumatic events create a more profound impact on a location. With no shortage of harrowing deaths, the battlefield resonates with the echoes of the past. Many spirits are believed to linger, leaving their mark on the site. At the heart of this historic site lies the Borden House, a symbol of resilience and endurance amid the chaos of war. Though not the original structure that witnessed the battle, the Borden House holds within its walls the echoes of a tumultuous past, offering a window into the events that unfolded on that fateful day. The Borden family's tranquil breakfast on that Sunday morning was abruptly shattered by the thunder of cannons and the chaos of battle unfolding at their doorstep. Forced to flee as the conflict engulfed their homestead, they sought refuge in a neighbor's cellar while their beloved home succumbed to the flames ignited by the conflict. Amidst the smoke and rubble, the Borden House bore witness to the harrowing scenes of war, standing as a silent witness to the staggering toll exacted by the conflict. For young Caldonia Borden, the devastation wrought upon her family's home left a lasting mark, echoing her defiant sentiment, I don't have any love for a Yankee. In the years that followed, the Borden House weathered the passage of time, bearing witness to the ebb and flow of history. By 1976, however, neglect and decay threatened to erase its legacy, casting it into obscurity amidst the encroaching wilderness. But fate had other plans. Recognizing the house's significance, Prairie Grove Battlefield State Park embarked on a mission to preserve its historic legacy, acquiring the property and undertaking the monumental task of restoration. Yet the house's journey was not without its trials. A dramatic turn came during the filming of The Blue and the Gray in 1982, when an ill-fated explosion damaged the original structure, casting a shadow of uncertainty over its future. 
Undeterred, park officials rallied to repair the damage and reaffirm their commitment to preserving this symbol of Arkansas history. Today, the Borden House stands as a beacon of resilience, its weathered facade bearing witness to the tumultuous events of the past. It not only serves as a tangible relic of the past, but has also become a focal point for those intrigued by the paranormal. Over the years, numerous individuals have reported spine-chilling encounters and inexplicable phenomena, transforming the historic structure into a renowned hub for ghostly tales. Visitors to the Borden House often share accounts of unexplained footsteps echoing through the empty halls, disembodied whispers lingering in the air, and fleeting glimpses of shadowy figures that seem to defy rational explanation. The atmosphere within the house is said to carry an otherworldly weight, as if the imprints of the past have transcended time, leaving behind a residual energy that tugs at the senses. One common theme in the reported paranormal experiences is the sensation of being watched, an eerie feeling that visitors describe as an invisible presence lingering in the corners of rooms or peering from the darkness. Some have even claimed to capture anomalous figures in photographs, shadows that defy the logic of the natural world. Reports of strange noises, unexplained temperature drops, and doors mysteriously opening and closing on their own contribute to the ghostly lore that surrounds this historic landmark. There have been reports of people hearing a child screaming coming from the house. Ghost hunters and paranormal enthusiasts drawn by the allure of the unknown, often visit the Borden House in the hopes of encountering something beyond the realm of the living. The site has become a focal point for investigations, with mediums and investigators attempting to communicate with lingering spirits or capture evidence of the supernatural. Whether one approaches the Borden House with skepticism or an open mind, the tales of paranormal activity persist adding an extra layer of intrigue to its already rich history. The paranormal presence extends far beyond the confines of the Borden House. It permeates the entirety of the battlefield, creating an atmosphere like no other. Numerous accounts speak of ethereal soldiers being spotted marching across the field, their spectral forms seemingly reenacting the long past conflicts. Visitors have reported hearing the ghostly sounds of marching, echoing in the distance, as if the residual energy of the battle still reverberates through time. There are even more chilling tales of phantom sounds resembling a distant battle, with the ghostly echoes of gunfire and cannon blasts reaching the ears of those who dare to explore the hallowed grounds. The battlefield itself seems to bear witness to the traumas of the past, manifesting an otherworldly energy. Interestingly, some intrepid visitors deliberately choose to make the pilgrimage to the battlefield on December 7th, the anniversary of the Battle of Prairie Grove. They believe that the otherworldly pull is more pronounced on this particular date, as if the spirits of the fallen soldiers are drawn back to the site of their ultimate sacrifice. Whether driven by a genuine connection to the historical event or a quest for a paranormal encounter, these individuals sense a heightened supernatural presence on its significant anniversary. While proving the existence of paranormal activity remains elusive, certain truths endure. The land is forever stained with the blood of the fallen, 
and their memories persist in the very fabric of the battlefield. The echoes of war, both tangible and ethereal, ensure that the legacy of the battlefield of Prairie Grove will endure, and the presence of those who fought and perished will forever be felt in the whispers of the wind and the rustle of the leaves. Jake and I had been so intrigued by the experience we had at the battlefield, we sort of became obsessed with anything supernatural. The trips we would take with our dads turned into chances for us to explore the creepy aspects instead of the actual history. Not to worry, though. Our dads still sounded like Pete and Repeat with all the facts, which I found myself incredibly thankful for by the time I made it to college history. Jake and I ended up in the same college. Jake wanted to be a teacher, and I, well, hadn't quite figured it out yet. We spent a lot of our free time checking out allegedly haunted places during our freshman year. One of my favorite trips we went on was a week-long road trip. Haunted house hopping, basically. We visited over a dozen haunted houses and locations that week. We experienced so many feelings on that trip, but nothing like the soldiers. And I honestly think that's why we kept going to all these places. We wanted to experience that rush of feelings again. Even though it was terrifying, it was just unexplainable. Fast forward six years. We both had different degrees and ended up back in Mississippi near our hometown. We didn't have the free time to go and do like we had anymore. We both had families of our own to take up any free time. We would still sneak in a trip here and there to the local battlefields here in Mississippi just to keep those memories alive. This past year though, my dad fell extremely ill and we ended up losing him. I was taking his death pretty hard. So were Jake and his dad. Over the years, we have all been incredibly close. I was going through dad's office trying to help mom clear out some of the junk and dad had his fair share of it. In the top drawer of his desk was a photo of him and me at the reenactment at Prairie Grove. One I don't remember taking. It had been so long ago. I hugged the picture. I know, odd, but I couldn't help it. It brought back so many good memories of my dad and me. But what was more surprising was the envelope under the photo. It had my name on it. I pulled it out and dumped the contents out on the desk. I was shocked. Inside was an itinerary for a whole trip that my dad had already pre-planned and arranged for him and I to go on. It was for the reenactment at Prairie Grove this year. My dad wasn't a planner, so this floored me. But I realized after checking the dates, he had planned this trip a month after the cancer diagnosis. I think maybe he knew it was worse than the doctors had initially let on. I immediately picked up the phone and called Jake to tell him all about it and make sure he cleared his schedule. I knew I needed to take that trip for my dad. December came faster that year than any other it seemed, and before I knew it, Jake and I were loaded up in his pickup and headed to Arkansas. You know, we always said we needed to come back to this place, Jake said, as we stood looking at the monument near the battlefield. I know, 
It's funny that we have it, and even weirder that Dad picked this place. Well, to be fair, we talked about it nonstop for years, Jake said, and begged them for weeks after the first trip. I shrugged in agreement. He wasn't wrong. We begged, relentlessly, still not sure why we didn't make it a destination. When we were old enough to decide, though, we didn't say anything for an unusually long time. We just wandered around in silence on the empty field. We debated which tree we had climbed in all those years ago, but we ultimately decided that we couldn't remember and just found a large one to sit next to by the clearing. Chuckling, Jake said, Do you remember the last time we were here and they let us help load the cannon? I'm pretty sure we weren't qualified to do that. Or the gunpowder Dad let us play with. Both laughing. Yeah, I'm positive that not only were we not qualified, but our dads could have been fined for letting us play with the ammunition. We bantered back and forth for a while before we fell silent, and Jake fell asleep leaning against the tree. I swear he could sleep anywhere. I rolled my eyes at his ridiculousness and closed my eyes too. A loud boom shook Jake and me until we were standing, frantically searching for where the sound had come from, but found nothing. We could hear people moving around. Does that sound like marching? Jake asked. Yeah, it does. But the reenactment isn't until tomorrow. What the heck is going on? Can you tell where the sound is coming from? I asked him. No, I have no idea. We found ourselves dazed and confused after wandering all over the battlefield, and we found absolutely no one, aside from the elderly couple that were eating lunch on a park bench. We even stopped and asked them if they'd heard the cannon fire. They looked at us like we had two heads. Jake and I eventually concluded that this place has a special way of getting under our skin and messing with our brains, though we both know what we heard. We decided to go back to our hotel and get some rest. The reenactment would start early the next day. I had the strangest dreams all night, and I found it incredibly hard to sleep. The booming of the cannon kept ringing in my ears. It had been so loud. There was no way we had imagined it. The ground had even vibrated from the movement. Oddly enough, the next morning, Jake told me he had had similar dreams and he found himself creeped out. Well, we spent years trying to find a place to freak us out. Looks like all we had to do was come back here. It's doing a damn good job, Jake said while strapping on his boots. I nodded in agreement. Yeah, this place gives me the creeps, that's for sure. Well, have fun and wish me luck, Jake said with a wink. Remembering what Dad had always said, we're on the losing side, dude. We need more than luck. It was pretty amazing in itself that our Dad's Confederate soldier uniforms fit us both like they belonged to us. The cannon boomed and the next hour was a blur of fake fighting and maneuvers. This was my first reenactment to actually participate in, 
and I was having a lot of fun. I understood now why Dad had planned this, so we could do this part together. It was sad that it had never happened. I had made it to the spot where I was supposed to die and found myself on the ground facing the wood line. I spotted Jake just a few minutes before I fell, headed to the cannon for his last stand. They weren't letting him fire it, and he was pretty disappointed about that, but he was happy enough to pretend. For a minute, he was that 11-year-old kid again. That's when it happened, that feeling. That same feeling that I'd felt all those years ago hit me like a ton of bricks. It was a chilly day, no doubt, but this was a bone-chilly coldness that swept over me, and my heart started thundering. I looked in the woods, but I saw nothing. That feeling was unmistakable, though, and I couldn't help but feel like something was lurking just inside the woods, just out of sight. My curiosity got the best of me. Before I even realized I was moving, I found myself crawling across the ground into the tree line. I had to know what was there. Had we actually imagined all that when we were kids? Or were the soldiers really real? I can only imagine what I looked like to the other people lying on the ground near me, watching me army crawling into the woods. But I didn't care. I disappeared behind one of the large trees just inside the brush and searched the area for any sign of movement. There, that's when I spotted something moving through the trees. I couldn't make out what it was from that distance, but there was something. I stood and chased after it, even calling out to it. That was it, I was crazy, chasing ghosts through the woods. I heard the cannon fire, and I jerked my head in the direction of the sound, and I froze. There stood a man with his back to me in uniform. Only, like before, he didn't look quite right. It looked like the air around him rippled a little. I took a step in his direction, and he turned to face me. My blood ran cold, and I found it hard to breathe. He had a pale white face, and black holes where his eyes should be. He opened his mouth, but it was like a black void. I found my curiosity peaked, and suddenly, I found myself terrified beyond reason. I stumbled backward, my heart pounding in my chest, my mind reeling with fear. Every instinct screamed at me to run, to flee from this unnatural sight before me. But something held me in place, rooted to the spot with a mixture of terror and fascination. The figure began to move towards me, its movements jerky and disjointed, like a marionette pulled by unseen strings. Panic surged through me, threatening to overwhelm my senses, but I forced myself to stand my ground. As it drew closer, I could feel an oppressive chill emanating from its form freezing me to the core. I wanted to scream, to call for help, but my voice failed me, trapped in my constricted throat. I could only watch in horror as it reached out a hand towards me, its fingers elongating into grotesque claws. And then, just as suddenly as it appeared, it vanished into thin air. 
leaving behind nothing but a lingering sense of dread. I collapsed to the ground, trembling uncontrollably, my mind reeling with the impossibility of what I had just witnessed. When I finally regained my senses, I staggered back to the battlefield, my thoughts consumed by the apparition I had just encountered. I found Jake waiting for me, concern etched on his face. What happened? He asked, his voice tinged with worry. I shook my head, unable to find the words to describe the terror I had just experienced. Instead, I simply muttered, Well, I think I've had enough excitement for one day. Jake nodded understandingly, though his eyes held a flicker of curiosity. Yeah, let's get out of here, he said, casting a wary glance towards the woods. As we walked away from the battlefield, I couldn't shake the feeling of being watched, of the lingering presence that seemed to follow us. But I pushed those thoughts aside, focusing instead on the warmth of Jake's presence beside me, grateful for his steadfast friendship in the face of the unknown, and grateful to my dad for planning this trip, even if it unearthed unsettling mysteries. As we drove away, leaving the haunting battlefield behind us, I realized that sometimes the most valuable treasures lie not in the answers we seek, but in the bonds we share with those who walk alongside us. Thank you for joining us on our journey to the Prairie Grove Battlefield. Tune in next week as we discuss another terrific location. I'm Carmen Carrion. Remember, you can send me suggestions or stories of haunted places to my email, carmencarrion at gmail.com, or follow me on Twitter at Carmen Carrion. Go to eeriecast.com to find other terrifying podcasts, such as Freaky Folklore, hosted by me, Carmen Carrion. Until next time, be safe out there until I see you at our next destination.